Chapter 8 of Billy Whiskers at Home. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Billy Whiskers at Home by Francis Trago Montgomery. Stubby relates his experience with seals. Stubby looked only as big as a minute as he mounted the rock to recount his experience. The most thrilling and exciting adventure I had while we were in California was at the Catalina Islands where we went to ride in the glass-bottom rowboats they have there so people may see the bottom of the ocean and get a peek at the sea feathers, coral, flowers, and fish. What one sees through the clear water is most beautiful. Little hills and hollows of the purest yellow or white sand, with long, dull, pink, swaying plants resembling ostrich plumes growing out of it. Next to them, there may be bright, yellow, fan-shaped plants, around the roots of which is white and pink coral exactly the shape of a man's brains, or else in the form of sprays. And from these same mounds of glistening golden sand will bloom the delicate, waxy sea anemones. Oh, it is most enchanting, and one expects to see a mermaid glide through this sea garden along with the gold, blue, and silver fish that swim among these plants as our birds fly through our trees. Then, if one wishes to row out about a mile where the water is so deep the bottom cannot be seen, they find the shoals of bluefish. That is a wonderful treat, for here they will see hundreds of young bluefish from 6 to 12 inches long, all facing in the same direction, apparently resting on the long stem plants that grow up from the bottom of the ocean and have little yellow balloons on the stems to keep them from falling back. This is one of the feeding places of the bluefish, where they can stay when the tide is running out and eat the particles of seafood it washes out to them. All the fish face one way, there being tiers of fish, one on top of the other, with only a few inches between each tier as far down in the ocean as one can see. The queerest part of it is that they keep their fins moving in and out, but do not move or swim about at all. They are as blue as the bluest sky you ever saw, and they make a wonderfully beautiful picture. As one approaches these bluefish banks, as they are called, the reflection of their color makes the water above them turn a dark shade, so the fishermen can tell by the color of the water where they are feeding. You will say there is nothing thrilling about this peaceful scene, said Stubby, but wait, I am coming to that. I just had to tell you about this most exquisite sight. Well, when we came back from our ride in the little rowboat, a man on the dock was calling out, Right this way for the glass-bottom steamer that takes you to the seal rocks. You see seals at home and the way they live. All the way there you can gaze through the glass-bottom and see the wonderful sea garden. At a point where it is the most beautiful, a man in a diver's suit will enter the water and bring you any flower or shell you may wish. Starting in ten minutes, return in one hour for the small price of one dollar. Don't miss seeing this wonderful garden of the deep. It all sounded good to me, so I went on board and prepared to gaze at the same beauties I had seen in the rowboat. But when we started, I was very much disappointed to see instead of exquisitely colored fish, flowers, and swaying plants, just a few unattractive shells, and no flowers or feathers at all. 
and when the diver went overboard, there was nothing attractive for him to get to bring back. I heard one of the passengers say that he had taken this trip years ago, and that then there were sea feathers and plants and coral, but that all the years people had been carrying them away, and now scarcely anything was left. What we did see were put there from time to time so the diver could have something to bring the people, charging 25 cents for each piece he brought. So I stopped gazing through the glass bottom and went to the side of the boat where I could watch the antics of a mother seal and two or three others. The boat seemed to make them very angry, and the mother seal appeared to be trying to stop it or frighten it away, for she kept up a constant crying and approaching nearer and nearer the boat as if she wished to bite it. I heard the captain tell a lady the seal made such a fuss because she was trying to frighten the boat so it would not go to her home on Seal Rock, that possibly she had a baby there that she had left behind while she went out to look for food. When we round that point you see ahead, you will hear the most awful racket set up for all the seals will begin to bark. The males will dive and leap out of the water and come toward us, swimming round and round the ship and under us all the time we are at the rocks, for this is where they live and breed. Do you see that big dark object on top of that large rock projecting out into the sea? Well, watch it closely and you will see it is a seal. He is their leader and he always stays out there where he can catch the first glimpse of any intruder and give the alarm. He is by far the oldest and largest seal in these waters. There are now many young seals on the island, which makes him more fierce than usual, for the male seals look after their families well and try to protect them from all danger. There, he has spied us and given alarm. When we turn that point of land he is on, we will be facing a curved rocky beach, and on those rocks you will see hundreds and hundreds of seals of all ages and colors, for the baby seals are cream-colored, while the older seals have dark brown coats. True to all the captain said, the moment we rounded the point, one would have thought bedlam had been turned loose, for every seal was barking, the old seals loudly and fiercely, and the baby seals with mere squeaks. I left the captain and went to the side of the ship to watch the seals slip off the high rocks into the water and come towards us with that peculiar gliding motion seals alone have. In a few minutes, there were hundreds of them around our boat. I was standing by a little eight-year-old boy, my forepaws on the rail of the boat, when horror of horrors, I felt him give me a push, and into that seething mass of angry seals I went head first. I thought my time had come, and that I would be eaten alive. The seals looked so fierce. They swam under me, tossing me three or four feet up in the air. They swam over me, sending me almost to the very bottom of the ocean. Then again, they would swim around me twirling me around so fast it made my head swim. Every minute I expected to have them bite me. When I came to the surface after one of those times when they had pushed me down to the bottom, I heard the boat's whistle tooting like mad, and I realized that the captain was doing it to frighten the seals away. It served the purpose too, for it did that very thing, every one of the seals quickly making for shore. 
As soon as they had left me, I swam toward the boat, and the captain lowered a bushel basket tied to a rope for me to crawl in, which I did, and then a sailor pulled me quickly to the deck. Since that day, I have never wanted to see a seal, and when I chance to walk through a park and hear them barking, it makes the cold shivers run up and down my spine to think what I endured while those seals were surrounding me. Stubby's experience pleased the crowd greatly, and they showed their appreciation by stamping their feet on the ground and bellowing, grunting, barking, meowing, baying, and bleeding. Amidst this applause, Stubby left the platform. End of chapter 8